Are you listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other platform where you can leave a rate or review? Do you like what we're doing? If the answer to all of that is yes, please consider quickly giving us a five-star rate. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us a nice review, we greatly appreciate that as well. Okay, let's do this. Hello, welcome to the Ghost of Harrenhal. My name's Simon. And I'm McKelly. Thank you for joining us for episode 22 of our chapter-chapter book review of A Song of Ice and Fire series by George Martin. Today we're discussing chapter 21 of A Game of Thrones, Tyrion 3. We'll chat about the chapter and try not to spoil any future plot points for you, and we'll hopefully provide you with a little entertainment along the way. We'll summarise what happened, discuss our thoughts on it, provide some useful background, compare it to the TV shows, indulge in a little pedantry, and cover some reader mail. Be sure to check out our show notes. They provide some additional information about the characters and other things of note in this chapter. That they do. How's, how are you doing? All right. I, couldn't, I forgot how to say how are you doing then. I was, like, <laughs> I was struggling with the words, how are you doing? I want to ask him how he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> how do I say that? Uh, What's going it's, on? It's a swim weekend. Uh-huh. So we've... Uh, not, the not for McKelly. No, not for me. I just spend my days sitting around the pool. And we were there Friday night, last night, and uh, we'll be there again tonight. She um, swims the mile today. Uh, 66 lengths of the pool. Jeez. As fast as she, hopefully as fast as she can. And what's what's <laughs> the target time? Um, I'm hoping for somewhere in the 20 minute point oh. some second range. Man. Yeah, not for me again. Yeah. <laughs> it would take me a good, better part of an hour. <laughs> do, you, do you, I mean, once you're swimming that far, do you watch it all? Yeah. I mean, like, you watch her, like, constantly? I or do, yeah. are you like, oh, yeah. I'll, I, I'll crack open the book and read for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'll miss this middle 20. <laughs> you know, she often thinks about totally random things. While well, she's swimming. swimming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, interesting. I'm like, if you focused on the race, <laughs> you might drop more time. But because she has no clock to look at she has to use an internal clock when she's pacing herself wow which what she likes for me to do is try and stand somewhere that i can try and signal to her how her laps are going you okay. know, like if she's on pace on a particular so do you lap. have a whole series of hand signals a la baseball teams <clears throat> more or less yes yep. thumbs up means you're, you're right on, on pace, pace. If I uh, do like the wind the watch symbol, she's got to speed up a little. Pick it up, mm-hmm. and when if I do the the pointing down, it means now. Put it all out there now. Now is the time. So it feels <laughs> like you don't have a. You're slightly ahead of schedule. Slow no, down no, a little. There's no, <laughs> there's no whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? Your time's going to be way too fast. Poor kid. Molly. <laughs> all right. We've got a long one here, so let's get down to business. Yeah, let's do it. Quick recap of what Tyrion was up to previously. Last we saw of Tyrion, he was at Castle Black at the Wall. There he was celebrating with Jon the news that Bran had awoken. At no point did he react like, Ooh, I'm surprised I sent an assassin with my big fancy knife to dispatch Bran. So I'm really surprised. So Maybe he's quite the actor. Perhaps, yes. Keeps it cool. I don't know. Yeah. McKelly, why don't you give us a summary of this chapter? Okay. Tyrion's feasting with Lord Commander Mormont and some of the Night's Watch dignitaries. He's being his usual charming self, but like John before him, he manages to mortally offend Sir Alistair Thorne. Who is a bit thin-skinned. Yes, that's easily done. Thorne storms off and Mormont gets down to business of trying to convince Tyrion to use his influence to have the Lords of the Realm send more proper men and resources to the Wall. 
Tyrion can't shake the feeling that it's a big waste of time, but he does accept that the Night's Watch is not all it once was. Ultimately, Mormont impresses on him that something bad is stirring north of the Wall, and that when winter arrives, the Night's Watch will stand between the realm and the darkness. And when Tyrion leaves Mormont, he intends to go to his bedchamber and head to sleep, but inexplicably, he decides to take one more look at the world from atop the Wall instead. When he finally makes his way up there, he finds John, who's pulled sentry duty. Turns out John's been making friends since we last saw him, helping Gren and Pip to improve their fighting abilities. The pair walk for a while. John and Tyrion now. Yes, yeah. John and Tyrion walk for a while. And Tyrion mentions that he plans to stop at Winterfell on his return to King's Landing, and he asks John if he has any messages for his family. John asks that Tyrion help Bran. He says Tyrion helped him when he needed it, and he asks that he do the same for Bran. And then John calls Tyrion a friend, and Tyrion is touched by the notion. John is getting concerned about how long his Uncle Benjen has been missing, and he plans to take Ghost and go looking for him if he doesn't return soon. And then Tyrion wonders, who will then go find John when he does? Ah, uh, yes. Good chapter. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we see that Tyrion's better at making friends than John. Although... Uh, thinking about that, it's easier to make friends when you're not being drilled by the drill sergeant. <laughs> you know true. what I mean? Yeah. It's you're bound to, you know, you're more, there whining and dining yes, with the big wigs. More yeah. laid back. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's his uh, big vacation for the year, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's interesting. You said in the summary that it was inexplicable that he would want to go up on the wall again, but it's like going to Paris and not going up the Eiffel Tower. You know? Right? You're yeah. gonna do it. You know. <laughs> Gone all the way to the wall. I want to see what's over there. I think it was the timing, as he yeah. was really looking forward to getting into his bed. Yeah. And then on his way back to his bed, he's like, "That seven hundred foot block of ice. I'm going to go to the top of that one more time." <laughs> yeah, he's so he's just like John. He doesn't like Alice Thorne, no. and Alice Thorne doesn't like Tyrion either. So, no, and we we did learn from John that Sir Alistair is not the greatest at being the butt of a joke. Yeah. Really needs to lighten up a little bit. Yeah, I wonder if that comes from being at the Night's Watch without wanting to be. You know, being right. against your will. Yeah. If you were there as a volunteer, you might be more yes. sort of rosier outlook. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Although, again, I mean, John to a certain extent chose it, and he doesn't seem that rosy about it. <laughs> Not yet, that's for sure. <laughs> Although it does seem like a little bit, things may be looking up yeah. a little bit, and making some yeah. friends. So when, when Tyrion marks Alice Thorn, um, Thorn actually challenges him to a fight, but uh, Tyrion uh, diffuses the situation by poking him with his uh, crab fork yeah, and uh, funny. making everybody laugh, but Alice storms off. So. Yeah, it's probably not the first time that someone has been offended by his comments, which often tend to be a little yeah. barbed, a little cutting, and that he's probably had to talk his way out of the situation, so... And when Thorne leaves, Tyrion says that, you know, he shouldn't be drilling the uh, the new recruits. He should be mucking out the stables. But Lord Mormont makes the point, I got plenty of people who are capable of mucking out the stables. Right. I don't have many warriors here. So Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem like Alistair is the right man for the job of breaking in new recruits. Although, I guess it depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, if you're trying to break the new recruits, yeah, right. <laughs> he's the right man for he's that. He's definitely, your, you know, if you want to raise hard, mean men, like uh, what Donald Noy said, told John that the uh, men of the Night Watch are, I guess maybe he is your guy if that's what you're trying to create. So the other character uh, that Tyrion interacts with is Sir Jeremy Riker. He's another 
um, person who was sent to the wall after Robert's rebellion for yes. fighting for Ares. But he seems a little sort of like less, less holding of a grudge. He does, yeah, yeah. A little bit more uh, positive in his outlook. Yeah, Riker specifically mentions that uh, Tywin Lannister, who is Tyrion's father, gave them the choice of taking the black or having their head on a spike. And, it, you know, it had me wonder if that might give Alistair more reason to dislike Tyrion because uh, both of them uh, were in that same uh, boat. That's true. Riker mentions it, but it applied to both of them. Yes. Yeah. Riker doesn't seem to be holding a grudge about yeah. it, at least not toward Tyrion. Yeah, and of course, that also goes to why Thorne probably had an instant dislike to Jon Snow. Right. Ned Stark's son, Ned Stark, was also involved, although yes. Ned Stark wasn't the one threatening to kill him. <laughs> right. So Tyrion jokes that if he doesn't leave the wall soon, Jamie will think that he's taken the black. Yeah, and... Lord Commander Mormont mentions that they could use men like him on the wall. And, you know, with his intelligence, he should be in demand everywhere, not just at the Night's Watch. Yeah. So it seems at the moment like his talents are being a bit wasted. He doesn't appear to hold any particular job other than brother of the Queen and son of Tywin Lannister. Yeah, this is this very much puts me in mind of the British royal family, but I'm absolutely blanking on the name of... Charles and Diana's second son, the one who's married to Harry. Meghan. Harry, that's the fellow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not coming across much of a royalist here, am I? <laughs> so it's like Harry, you see? Right. Tyrion's like Harry. He's not really being used to his full potential. That's right. why he wants to break away. That's what I was getting at. Um, so another voice pipes up. We hadn't even noticed he was there, but Master Eamon, who's yes. uh, the, who, the... Sorry, I call him Master, but Maester Eamon, who's the maester of the of Castle Black, yep. um, refers to Tyrion as a giant. And yes, that's after Bowen Marsh refers to him as a little man when he says, you have quite the thirst for a little mm-hmm. man. And Eamon pipes up with, he's a giant come among us here at the end of the world. Yeah. And actually, Tyrion's quite touched by that. Yeah. Um, Maester Eamon's 100 years old and revered by everyone at the Night's Watch. Yeah, when he pays you a compliment. Yeah. It's one worth taking note of. Maester Eamon is blind, um, so perhaps that's why he hasn't noticed that Tyrion is small. Yeah. Well, I guess he might be able to figure out where that voice is coming (laughs) from. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. I was just going to say, maybe because he's blind, uh, he's not biased to his size as much. You know, he... he focuses more on the intellect and his potential, I guess, possibly. Yeah. So the rest of the characters leave the scene and we're left with Tyrion talking to J.O. Mormont. Yep. He starts to lay the foundation for his true agenda. Mormont does. Yes, Mormont starts to lay his agenda out. He He begins by pointing out how dangerous the trip from Winterfell, or to Winterfell, I guess I should say, can be, and he offers guards to see Tyrion there safely. Now, Tyrion had just made the trip in the other direction, so, you know. But he did have his own guards, yes. and he had Yorin. No, not Benjen. He, he had Benjen and oh, John Benjen. with him, and Yorin and the That's two rapers right. from the fingers. He had quite the party. So. Right, right. Okay, let me just express here that I'm a little skeptical about how dangerous it is between the Wall and Winterfell. I mean, this is like the frozen tundra. There's nobody there to terrorize you, surely, you know. <laughs> Well, I guess maybe, I suppose. But, I mean, there just wouldn't be enough traffic. Yeah. So, like, you, you're bandits, yeah? Right. You want to be near a road. There is the King's Road, runs all the way to the wall. But what's on that road? Just, like, rapers and, you know, right. like, unhappy people. 
<laughs> with no money you know that are very cold <laughs> right because i mean it's not like it's not like produce moves up to the wharf along the king's road because they have lands just south of the wall where they produce their own food right so it just doesn't seem like it would be that dangerous of a trip well he needs him to at least think it's dangerous because <laughs> he wants a favor paid and so he's going to offer a, a service in return for the favor but uh, then Tyrion mentions that maybe John be part of the group that uh, Lord Commander Mormont is going to send with him to Winterfell. Thought it might be nice for him to see his brothers, but Mormont thinks that is a terrible idea. We'll be right back. Hello, friends. Are you ready to make some unforgettable memories? Well, if so, consider the Marriott Bonvoy program. Discover the perfect destination for your summer getaway and unlock exclusive deals on luxurious accommodations. With our affiliate partnership, you'll enjoy unbeatable savings and a seamless booking experience. Don't let summer slip away. Visit Marriott Bonvoy today and make this vacation season one for the books. Use our Ghosts of Heron Hall affiliate page to check it all out and buy Bonvoy points or give some as a gift. The link to our page is in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get his point. You know, they they want people to sever their ties. Yes, yeah. Allowing him this re- this soon. In fact, before he even makes his oath, right? Which is uh, got me wondering if he went if he went on this trip to Winterfell, would he come back no, to I'm the Night's Watch? Pretty sure he would not. I agree, and that's I why agree. Mormont doesn't want it to happen. Yeah, although John would probably really enjoy such yeah. a trip. Yeah, particularly because Cat's not there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Him and, and Rob could have a great time. Yeah. So we'll see Bran again. Yeah, the cat is away, so... Ah, ah, I know where you're going there. Um, but yeah, that's, that is interesting, actually. I wonder I wonder if John realistically would just be like, I'm doing this. Right. I, I don't care what you say. You're, not, you're not the boss of me. I haven't made an oath. You know? <laughs> I have not said the words yeah. yet. Although Gior implies that what John is going through is a pretty normal experience for folks new to the Night's Watch. Yeah. You know, he mentioned that he himself hasn't returned home and that he has nieces that he's never met. And I wonder if he means he's never, I guess it's what, he's never returned home. How long has he been there? Has he been there since the Before the rebellion. Before the rebellion. Okay. So that's interesting. It's definitely before Jorah disgraces Disgraces himself. himself. Okay. You see, I was wondering if it's that. I wonder if it was Jorah's disgrace that took Geo to the wall. But no, it was before that. Yeah, I... Yes, he abdicated his lordship for Jorah, and then Jorah disgraced himself. I see. So <laughs> it's not quite, but I felt like it was almost implied that he too would fear the pool of family if he went to Bear yeah, Island. Yeah, yeah, well. Because he said, you know, I don't remember the exact wording, but he said basically like, I get it. You know, yeah, I get yeah, why yeah, yeah. John would feel the pool. Yeah. And that, um, of course, you know, Ned and Ice would encourage me to (laughs) I like my family fine but I also like my head right where it is and it's not like you could go oh Ned you've come over here to chop my head off I'll go back to the wall he doesn't really go with that (laughs) you think you mean you know a lot of other worse punishments are hey take the black go to the wall you think fleeing might be like (laughs) go back or face different punishment (laughs) just resetting the clock you're going back to the wall again yeah so now, basically, we come to the crux of it. Mormont really wants more 
troops and resources at the wall. I mean, that's basically what he wants to talk to Tyrion about and thinks that Tyrion has the potential to use his influence to do that. The tricky part about this is that Tyrion, whilst recognising that there's a dilapidation and a sort of like a uselessness to the recruits at the wall, still doesn't quite see the point. Right. And while yes. he doesn't quite see the point, he's unwilling to throw himself into this mission, you know. Yeah, Mormont mentions that uh, numbers are down to 600 total to cover 300 plus miles yeah. of the uh, wall, which he says is three men per wall, and Tyrion says uh, technically it's three and a quarter. <laughs> or something, three and a third, I think it is. <laughs> hey, who's the mathematician? <laughs> Certainly not me. <laughs> Certainly not me. Uh, so Mormont points out that the Night's Watch is uh, heading towards a management crisis. Um, he he says that, you know, he, he knows that Bowen Marsh and Alistair Thorne aren't the best people, but right. he, he can't demote them because he needs every able-bodied. I mean, able-bodied much, in the yeah. sense of being competent in the highest possible positions that they can get them yeah, to. Yeah, he refers to the Night's Watch. Mormont, not not even Tyrion, Mormont refers to the Night's Watch as an army of sullen boys and tired old men. Mm. You know, I guess there's two schools of thought there. As long as they're only guarding against Grumpkins, that's fine. Yeah. But of course, as we read the prologue, we know there's something scary north of the wall, so mm. that's trouble. But, you know, the realm has forgotten why they're there, so... Few self-respecting lords or knights even consider it as an option if they have a choice. Yeah, I think that probably made Sir Waymar from the prologue a rather rare get. Yeah, 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 yeah. So kind of a, a particular loss because they have actually someone who was castle trained come yes. to the wall voluntarily, yeah. and then they lost him within a year. Yeah. So Mormont counts hardly more than twenty men who can read and less who can think and plan or lead. Yeah. So. That's a problem. Yeah. But it got me thinking, similar to Sir Waymar, that John would get more special treatment. Yeah, but I, I think that might come. I think, you know, you've got to put people through basic training. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, you've got to yeah, put people yeah. through basic training. And you definitely don't want to lose John, so you definitely don't let him out of your sight right. until he's taken the oath, you know. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because Because absolutely, you're right. I mean, he is clearly going to be a spectacular shining light in the right. next watch. Yeah. Let's, you know, nurture that to a certain extent. But at the same time, you've got to treat him like everybody else. Yeah, you got to break him down yeah. first and then start to build him back up, I guess. We did learn that Sir Waymar got special treatment. It's I, I mentioned, in I think, in the background info, the prologue or somewhere pretty early on, that he got command of the, that ranging that went so sour there, thanks to the others. Because he basically told Gior Mormont, I deserve this because I'm a knight. Yeah. And even though he'd been there six months. I, I wonder actually if that's, you know, if because the balance of power here is switched to the lords who are offering up their third sons. Right. They can say, look, you can have him, but he needs to be treated better than the rest. Right. You know? yeah. So maybe be- that started to happen and Lord Commander Mormont is in no position to... Right. You know, to say, no, that's not happening. Oh, you've lost another one. Although once he's said the words, once he's then said the black, say, yeah, I mean, true, yeah. so I it, I was wondering, like, why is he worried? He was worried about offending Jan Royce, which was Sir yeah. Waymar's father. And I was like, what? First of all, how's he ever going to find out? He's all the way down in the veil. Yeah. And, you know, anyway. But, but there's a whole PR thing, you know, I mean, if, right. if, if Sir Waymar wrote to his dad and says, 
Daddy, he's not treating me as well as he said he would. I want a bean party. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I want a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> then, um, then that word might get around and right. other lords might not send their third son. That's true. Yeah, yeah that's so. a good point. He's doing a little PR work there. I exactly. Get it. Yeah. I, I get it. So you you noticed that there was an interesting statement that previous Lord Commanders had raised the wall higher. Yeah, I'd never... No, I hadn't done. thought about it. It seems, so... seems strange. It seems, seems very difficult. Right. It seems like <laughs> the skill of the brand, the builder's age has been lost, yeah. and yet like, previous Lord Commanders had managed it. Are they raising it across evenly all 300 feet, or is it, you know, yeah. like uh, rigid? Like there's like 100-foot drops the here and there. The trick, of course, would be to raise it where they can't defend it. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. so actually, the lowest point of the wall should be at Castle Black, and then right. raise it in between. But... Good point. Yeah. And I also thought, uh, as he's the nine hundred ninety seventh Lord Commander, so if each one built it a little higher, maybe it just started out as like a snow forge or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was really meant just for a snowball fight. So Tyrion does make the promise that he'll try, but yeah. he internalizes that he thinks their responses will be. Ignoring, laughing, and thinking he's crazy. <laughs> right. It's pretty... I don't know. It seems like Mormont's fairly out of touch with how the Night's Watch is perceived in the rest of the realm. Yeah. Maybe he should leave from time to time, you know? But, Get but him down then, to I King's mean, Landing. But still, what do you do? You still, you still have to convince skeptical people that there is some existential threat north of the wall that you can't... You know, you, it's very difficult for you to articulate what that is. Right. Yes. You know, we're guarding against darkness. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> There's yeah. a darkness. Yeah. You think of Terminal. them as grumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> I need two thousand men provisioned and armed. I need yeah. two thousand trained men. None exactly. of these sullen boys. Yeah. So that's that's his problem. I mean, I mean, there's just no until the threat materializes, and then yeah. it will be too late. Right. There's just no way to win this argument. I mentioned. A, a little bit about why that is in the background info. I have a little tiny little hit on it a little bit. So 997 Lord Commanders, that's amazing. So, I mean, like, if you give them each... I mean, how, how long is it? Is it 3,000 years since Bram the Builder? Uh, somewhere between six to 8,000 years. Six to 8,000 years. Yeah, they kind of lost a yeah. specific touch. And yet they can count how many Lord Commanders. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's easy. They just put a mark on the wall each time. So, so each Lord Commander lasts six to eight years then, I guess, because there's a thousand of them. So that's, uh, that's the typical uh, yeah, probably some, span you know, for Lord Commander. Yeah, probably some died uh, it did, shortly. It did get me thinking, and I mean, this is a, this is a tangent that we don't have time for because this is a long chapter, but let, <laughs> let me digress. That, these are my favorite parts. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. If you think about the sort of scientific progress of our world between, say, 1 AD and now. Right. It's been prodigious. It has. Yes. So that's 2,000 years. I think I know where you're going. <laughs> they don't seem to have progressed as much in their six to eight thousand compasses. years. Compasses, yeah. And, and the, one of the things I've read, um, it, this is a critique of religion, and I don't want to get into a sort of big religious debate, but I've heard people argue that, sort of, certainly in the Western world, religious the lack of religious freedom or the sort of religious imposition caused the Dark Ages. And basically, the, we stopped progressing for like four or five hundred years right, sure. during that period of time. Uh-huh. So we could be even more advanced right. were it not for that. Now, okay. f- factor that into um, Westeros now. 
they don't seem to have a religion that beats down on people and forces them. So they don't right. even have that reason to so not have had these innovations. Yeah. And they've got a university and they seem to have learning and they don't seem to, you know, they seem to respect that. It's strange that they haven't evolved. Right. I think they've got nukes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're afraid of, north of the wall, perhaps. <laughs> but what he hasn't revealed yet is that winds of winter will involve steampunk. <laughs> They're going to figure out how to use steam engines. So I was just thinking about that last night. So, sorry. Yeah, to, to no, I like that. That's really interesting. But I guess getting back to business, we, we learned that Tyrion has seen about eight or nine winters. He's not really um, sure exactly how many. but uh, which, which The interesting thing about that is that it, it really shows how abnormally long this summer yeah, has been. Because right. he's only... In his 30s, right? I think he's like 28, 28. late 20s, something like so that. So that means sort of average time for a year, I mean, a year being a summer and a winter, say, is only four years. Right. To yeah. have both a summer and a winter. Yeah. So an eight or nine year. Yeah, this is heading into its 10th, 10th year, year this summer. Summer is abnormally long. In fact, actual fact, if you think about it, if you subtract those 10 years from his life, then if he's seen eight or nine winters, he saw them all in his first 18 years. Yeah, right, right, right. So it's actually just like a one-year summer, one-year winter. One-year summer, one-year winter is the yeah, normal. That's a good point. We also learned, though, that a long summer often means a long winter. And right. Maester Eamon and the other maesters from the Citadel are all in agreement that summer is waning. So this is when Mormont says that the darkness is coming. He, he mentions a bunch of different dark things that have been sighted north of the Wall, like direwolves, which we know have also been spotted south of the Wall and at the Wall at this point. Mammoths and snow bears the size of orcs. Yes. But, you know, it seems like those are things that would benefit from a long summer. You know, things that require food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just reading this morning, actually, a, a theory of uh, humans needing to hibernate. I mean, we can't literally hibernate because we can't do what hibernating animals do. But um, I can the, barely sleep through the night. Right. But it was interesting. that They did some studies where they sort of deprive people of, of light and they found of artificial light. Okay. And they found that when they had like 14 hours of darkness, what they would do is they would sleep for th- three, four hours. Then they would wake up and have like a couple of hours of not stressed being awake, you know, because when yeah. I wake up in the night, I'm pretty stressed about the fact right. I'm missing out on sleep, but actually kind of relaxed and sort of like, you know, sort of, you know, dozy and not doing too much. And then they would sleep again. And apparently this was a very common way of sleeping back before electricity. You know, I've heard yeah. about that. And and, yeah. and then that middle time in the night was often sort of like, you know, people would do sort of prayer or meditation or, or making love. That was often the time oh, for that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and apparently people naturally gravitate towards that when we take away artificial light from them. Huh. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Yeah, good stuff. And again, complete tangent to what we're talking yeah, about. So, so, so anyway, Tyrion laughs about... To a certain extent, he laughs about the sightings of all these things. He said that they often see merlings. Interestingly, in the TV show, they say mermaids. Oh. Well, yeah, he he makes that joke when uh, Mormont mentions that fisher folk near Eastwatch have glimpsed white walkers on the shore. And he says um, that the the fisher folk in Lannisport have seen merlings. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And white walkers are another term for others. Um, which are not to be confused with whites, which we That's right. explained explain the difference yeah. way back in the prologue. Others are magical beings made of ice type stuff. And the whites 
are reanimated dead that they create. So that's basically the difference. So Mormont finishes his plea by saying that when the long night falls, only the night's watch will stand between the realm and the darkness that sweeps from the north. Uh, and God help us all if we're not ready. And if that does happen, I think they're probably rather screwed. Yeah. Because these 600 yeah. uh, sullen men, or sullen boys and old men, not going to be able to protect yeah. from what we saw Sir Waymar and have to put Even up the with. useful ones like seasoned veterans like Garrod ran. Right. <laughs> <laughs> ran when they saw it. Yeah. It, it's definitely an impassioned plea. And sitting in Castle Black, it's certainly easier to accept at least a little from if you're sitting in King's Landing or Lannisport, where it's just an eye roll worthy. Uh, type situation we'll be right back this episode is sponsored by audible to get a free audiobook or two if you're an amazon prime member go to our exclusive url audibletrial.com slash ghosts you can find the link in our show notes so Tyrion finally gets away from mormont and uh, his pleas and talk of others decides Instead of going to bed, he'll just have one last look on the wall. And while yeah. he's up there, he runs into John and Ghost. The trio go on John's rounds together, mostly to keep from freezing. Yeah, um, that's a good plan. John says Sir Alistair has seen to it that John continuously, continuously draws night guard duty up there, which has got to be cold. Yeah. Um, ho- John mentions that he that Alistair is hoping that with getting no sleep and drilling all day, he will uh, start to slip up. But he says, to us, this point, he has uh, disappointed him. Yeah. And we hear that he's starting to make friends with the with the boys who were right. ready to beat him up last time yeah. we saw them. Starting to make friends. Yeah. All right. And we also learn that Sir Alistair isn't just mean. He's also rather useless as a trainer. Compared to John, because John is actually making them better. Right, yeah. yeah. He mentioned that um, yeah. Sir Alistair hadn't even taught Pip how to hold the sword correctly. Right. So you'd think that might be like day one type <laughs> stuff. Maybe day two after... <laughs> You know, you get your syllabus and everything on day one. <laughs> so are we housing? That's right. So Tyrion mentions that he's going to stop in Winterfell on the way, ask John if he's got any message. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like his line about Rob. That uh, He says, I'm going to be commanding the Night's Watch one of these days, so uh, Rob, tell Rob he should just take up needlework with the girls. <laughs> uh, Rickon can have all his stuff. Yeah, he's... Yeah. Concerned that Rickon won't understand where he's gone, yeah. so let him have all. Tell him he can have all my stuff. That'll make him happy. Yeah. And he asked, he pleads with Tyrion to ha- to help Bran in some way. Yeah, I, and it's another kinda... <laughs> another request for Tyrion that can't possibly be <laughs> uh, delivered on. These folks of the Night Watch are demanding, <laughs> yeah. aren't they? <laughs> and I'd like a heater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he asks Tyrion to um, help Bran, like he. Like Tyrion had helped John when John needed it, and Tyrion really doesn't think there's much he can do. His actual line is, "You're asking a lame man to teach a cripple how to dance. No matter how sincere the lesson, the result is likely to be grotesque." Yeah, yeah. I think is a little uh, self-deprecating. I'm sure Tyrion yeah. can offer yeah. some useful advice. He seems to be good at that. It's a good exchange, though. You see, John really likes and respects Tyrion, and that it's to a certain extent mutual as well. I think. Yes. Yeah. Tyrion thinks. There's the smell of summer on John, but uh, he's, uh, he's a good kid. Yeah. And he keeps giving Tyrion a lot of credit for um, helping him. But it seems like you know Tyrion's not the other, only one that has been trying to help him. It seems like everybody has been trying to help him, which I think is a point you made mm. 
in the last John chapter. Yeah, yeah. But I think your counter argument was it's because he's not in an authority position over him. I mean, the people who right. who have given him the same advice have been in a position of authority, and you rebel against authority, yes, especially kids. And Tyrion isn't an authority, yeah, and speaks his mind. Right. You know, you're not. Yeah. He, you, you know, you're going to get it straight from Tyrion. So. Yep. I like this scene. It this seems like they're developing a cool little friendship here, but I just wonder how he would react if he knew about the allegations laid against him. I don't know that he could believe them either. I don't, I yeah. don't know, but it seems... Again, coming back to, to, to Bran's reaction when the news came... Sorry, Bran's reaction. Tyrion's reaction when the news of Bran's recovery came. It was genuine happiness. Right. It'd be very hard if you went to John now and said, "John, we think Bran might have sent an assassin to kill Bran or Tyrion." <laughs> I'm just going to call Tyrion Bran. Here. Let's call all characters Bran from now on. So, if you told John now, Tyrion sent an assassin to kill Bran, he'd be like, "No, he didn't. Yeah, we didn't. That's crazy. Talk. I know that guy. He would never do that." So, I was thinking about the fact that Tyrion is going back to Winterfell, a place where he is alleged that he may have had put together an assassination attempt on the uh, son of the Lord of Winterfell. And I was trying to think about why, if he was guilty, if he did do it, why he would stop at Winterfell on the way back. I mean, there's a lot of other places he could stop. So I was asking Stacy because she considers herself a bit of a true crime expert. I was asking her why a criminal might return to the scene of the crime. And she said uh, that, they often insert themselves into the situation, um, like the join a search party or volunteer in some way for the excitement and to hear news of what's going on. Not to undermine Sherlock, Stacy, <laughs> yeah. but so do people who genuinely care, right? <laughs> who are innocent and genuinely want the yes, best. Yes, I'm just saying if he's guilty. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If yeah. he's guilty, yeah. why would he ever yeah. stop back at Winterfell? Well, it is on the way. And I think it is. I'm not sure it was in the book, but in the TV show, he says there aren't many feather beds between here and King's Landing. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. And it has the uh, hot water flowing through the walls, the hot springs keeping it warm. I would, I would definitely stop at Winterfell, especially because Tyrion has a clear conscience. Right. He clearly does not think he will be welcomed (laughs) at Winterfell like a murderer. You know, that's a good point. Then they sign off with a bit of a touching moment, where they shake hands and call each other friends. And again, Tyrion has a cool line here. He says, uh, John calls him friend, and Tyrion says, most of my kin are bastards, but you're the first I've had to friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> John seems to gravitate towards those who are different from the normal, like Arya and now yep. Tyrion. Yep. John expresses concern over Uncle Benjen's delayed return from ranging north of the Wall. He yeah. and Ghost are going to look for him if he doesn't come back. He's not the only one expressing concern. Uh, Lord Mormont also right. mentioned that he's been gone awfully long time, yeah, and he's yeah. like, well, who am I going to send? I sent him after Sir Waymar in that oh, group, right, and yeah. now that group's gone missing. Who am I going to send after Benjen and his Again, group? Again, it comes back to Ned was a little quick to use eyes. I mean, just ask Gary right. what happened to the other two. Yeah, maybe, you know, some hot soup. Exactly. A, a nice warm bath in the, you know, the in the Winterfell uh, hot springs. Hot springs, exactly, yeah. And then be like, uh, okay. Now, what's wrong? Yeah. But Tyrion wonders if if John and Ghost go north looking for Benjen, who will be sent looking right. for them? <laughs> it's going to be an endless stream of... But then that, that goes to the fact that he is thawing, if you will, to the idea that there is something bad north of the wall. Yes, as he's standing 
as he's standing on the wall looking out, he can almost imagine that all the talk of the others and yeah. stuff are true. And he, he starts to feel a little bit bad about making the grumpkin and snark type jokes. Yeah. But ultimately, it's probably not a good idea that John uh, go... Oh, yeah. <laughs> especially with that fresh scent of summer clinging exactly. to him. He's got to get rid of that before he considers doing any such thing. All right, so give me some background on the long night then. Yeah. The long night, well, you couldn't tell when uh, McKelly said it earlier, but it's got capital letters. It does. <laughs> it's not a long night. It is the long night. So that came up, as you might remember a few minutes ago, Lord Mormont mentioned that when the long, long night comes again, that they're going to need the Night's Watch. The realm is going to need the Night's Watch. So the Long Night is a name given to a period when darkness fell across the known world. It occurred during the Age of Heroes, which, as I mentioned earlier, was somewhere between six to 8,000 years ago. And it came during a terrible winter that lasted for years. And the Long Night itself lasted for a generation and caused famine and terror. And the legend has it that during this time, the others came from the far north in an area of Westeros known as the Lands of Always Winter. The children of the forest and the first men fought them but were driven southward. And then the Night's Watch was created and drove the others back in a battle known as the Battle for the Dawn. And the battle is possibly connected with the legends of Azor Ahai and the Last Hero, which are both pretty cool stories. And Azor Ahai we will certainly talk a lot more about later. Uh, so we'll save those for another day. So, yeah, I, I was interested about the fact that the Night's Watch predates the wall. You know, yeah. that it was formed. Right. It was formed for the same reason it exists today, which is to protect the realm from threats from the north. But it actually predates the wall. Yes. So um, it was like, yeah, like I said, it was created during the Long Night to yeah. push the others back. Yeah. So, then, so do you think the Long Night is just a, a euphemistic description of the terrible winter, the, the years-long winter? Or is, do you think it's a specific period within that? Because, I mean, that winter lasted for years. The Long Night lasted a generation. Right. It, I, I mean, it's just the winter, isn't it? I think it's... it's and, and the question to me is, is it... Is, is any winter that follows a long, long summer a long potentially night. the Long Night, the next yeah, Long Night? Yeah, could be, could be. Because these things took place in the Age of Heroes and our Westerosi written history doesn't go back yeah. more than a couple thousand years, you know, this is all legend. Yeah. So, you know, I guess it depends on if you believe the Long Night was just a really hard winter or if the Long Night was a really hard winter that had others streaming yeah, yeah. from the north. Yeah. But after the Battle of the Dawn, steps were taken to ensure that the people would never be caught off guard again from an invasion from the north. That's when Bran the Builder supposedly then raised the wall. And so began the Night's Watch duty to guard the realm from the threats from beyond the wall. But since the others haven't been seen in thousands of years, except for by the unfortunate Waymar Royce and company, mm -hmm. people have begun to think of their main duty as uh, being chasing wildlings away from the wall. Right, so right. Kind of forgotten the original purpose, yeah. if it indeed existed. Yeah, so the other... Um bit of background house Riker Jeremy Riker um, they're from the crown lands they have an awesome sigil it's like the Scottish flag the um, 
Saltire Cross of St. Yeah. Andrews. And across on the cross, there are crossed hammers, war hammers. So it's, yeah. it's, it's really cool. That is cool. So comparison with the TV show, um, Tyrion has two separate conversations with uh, Night's Watch dignitaries. He has one with Yoren and Benjen, and then later he meets with Aemon and some uh, Sir J.R. Mormont. He doesn't have any interaction with uh, Alice of Thorne. No, that's probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but but basically everything that was said in the chapter is said between those two conversations. But it's interesting, the timing-wise, Benjen hasn't left yet. He's, oh. he's headed, but he hasn't actually okay. left. So John is not yet worried about Benjamin's yeah, yeah. absence because it hasn't happened. Also, neither of the two sweet moments in this chapter where Tyrion is touched by uh, Maester Aemon calling him a giant and John and Tyrion expressing friendship for one another on top of the wall. Neither of those happen in the TV show. Oh. They're both dropped. It's more huh. hard-nosed, the TV show. Yeah. And Tyrion pees over the wall that was, that was the thing he really wanted to do was pee <laughs> over the wall well you know yeah. one thing an I, opportunity one thing I noticed in the TV show that they, they the sentries on top of the wall always sit in the gaps so the, the top of the wall is sort of like uh, crenellated with sort of like gaps yeah. where you can look out and gaps where you're protected they always sit in the gaps where the wind would howl I'm like seriously <laughs> just move a few feet just, just shift just your left just poke your head out occasionally to see if something's coming you've got plenty of room not to mention you're 700 feet in the air exactly if something's yeah. coming it's going to take a long exactly. time is that a spec moving down <laughs> yeah. there so in pedantry corner i couldn't really find anything in the chapter but the tv show i've got a pedantry thing about the tv show when Tyrion pees over the edge of the wall <laughs> we get a view from behind him which is better better yeah well actually we get a view from above we oh. actually see the pee coming out you, oh, okay. you have to really look to see where it's coming out of <laughs> but um, then you get a view from behind him where he makes that universal body motion that all men would know yep. of sort of like a shake and a jostle and a the more I thought about it <laughs> the more I thought about it the more I think that that motion is because we have zippers in our pants right. yeah even if you had a button fly you might make that motion but that's because you've been influenced I think we need to take a newborn baby boy right. and put him only in button fly trousers for his life and see if he independently comes out with right. that motion because I think is that nature motion, nurture exactly I think that motion <laughs> is because Peter Dinklage has grown up with zipflies right. and so he does that sort of because it's it, the jostle oh, I wish we I wish we had video <laughs> <laughs> I wish this was a video cast instead of a podcast because, this is be, because motions are quite hilarious because, because the, the sort of jostle I mean partly <laughs> Partly, it's it's to get rid of the drips, to get those off. But right. partly, it's to pull the zipper up. Right, right. right. You know what I mean? I yeah? do. Yeah? I do. I follow I, you. I'm just completely convinced. I, and I'm not accusing Peter Dinklage of being a bad actor. I just think <laughs> that motion wasn't quite right. No, he's definitely a fantastic actor. Yeah. That is definitely not it. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it just looks like he's pulling up a zip. Oh, man. But again, they've had six to 8,000 years to invent the zip. <laughs> maybe they could just do... Maybe... What are those maesters doing in the Citadel? <laughs> It'd be funny if they It's because they wear robes. <laughs> That's, what That's right. Who needs a zipper? But... It'd be funny if, like, in the six to 8,000 years, they really had developed, like, incredible technologies in certain directions, but the rest of it was all sort of <laughs> right, medieval <yeah>. still. 
So we still fight with swords, but we do have zippers <laughs> and we have teleportation. <laughs> well, actually, that's something that happened in the TV show. Actually, is they really did have teleportation. I mean, like those crows would just like fly. Right. Around. Yeah. <laughs> Timelines got. All right. <clears throat> all right. News and notes. We did have a question for you all. So there's a action item here for you listeners. We were wondering, do you like the shorter background info on multiple topics, or would you prefer, when possible, a deeper dive into one relevant topic? So if you have any uh, opinions, please let us know. Yeah. Of course, we always like to hear from you all. Yeah, yeah. Regardless. Oh, uh, another bit of news and notes. Uh, so I went out onto Podchaser, and we have a new review. Oh, woo. It is It is very good. It oh, was that, uh, oh, five nice. stars. It was very glowing. Um <laughs> And the end of it was, good job, McKelly. Oh. And uh, the the name of the reviewer was, ooh, Roger Palmer. That's my brother. <laughs> I had a hunch I knew who that was. <laughs> I, I noticed it at the swim meet yesterday, and I showed Stacy. I was like, I have a hunch. I know exactly who wrote this review. <laughs> Rob, you did not mask yourself well enough. Um, so we're going to keep the two episodes for a week for a little bit longer if we can. Doing our best. It's a significant more. It's twice the effort. So yes. we can't keep this up forever, but yeah. we are going to keep trying for as long as we, a little bit longer anyway. Yeah. Oh, and um, we've gotten some feedback for a little while now that some listeners would like episodes available on YouTube. So ask and you shall receive. Right now, it's just our episodes with a static image of our sigil. Maybe someday we'll have other things there. Uh, I don't know. That's not in the plans at the moment. So, so you mean like videoing us? Yeah, or something. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that anybody would care to see video of <laughs> the two of us sitting here. Because then, then we have to edit out all the disasters from both the audio and the video. Right. Yeah. That could get exhausting. Yeah. Plus, we'd have to, to hold perfectly still. So, <laughs> so anyway, there you go, Noah. I hope you enjoy your YouTube videos. So conclusion, uh, the Night's Watch is having trouble just keeping the lights on, but as we've just discussed, that will help them hibernate. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Tyrion especially notices this as he's on his way in the lift up to the top of the wall. He notices, he can see kind of a bird's eye view of the Castle Black, and he can see that it's uh, really kind of falling into some serious disrepair. Yeah. Mormont really believes that winter's coming, and uh, some bad news is coming with it. Yeah, and he's really hoping that Tyrion might have some influence to bolster support from some major lords of the realm. Yeah, the the dregs of the realm are beginning to gain a critical mass in the night. They really Watch. are, yes. Yeah. It sure seems like it. Yeah. Tyrion's heading home, stopping in Winterfell. Is he returning to the scene of his crime, or is he just a pawn? Yeah, I don't know. I just, well, I don't know. we've talked about that a lot, I guess. Yeah. And he and John really do seem to truly appreciate each other. It's too bad that soon they're going to be on opposite ends of uh, Westeros. Maybe they can be Raven pals. I like it. <laughs> All right. You got anything else? No, that's it. Okay, me too. So as always, you can reach us at ghosts.heronhall at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at ghostheronhall. And we are on Facebook. And I forgot to mention, we're on now on Instagram, which is something wow. Stacy uh, insisted that we do. Yeah. And, Empire. Right. And as I mentioned, we're now on YouTube. So plenty of ways to go interact with us and check us out. We appreciate if you chose a few. Be great. All right. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.